Someone else has already said it best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 Hello, hello, and welcome <laughs> to Best of the Best Podcast with myself, Connor Keys, beside me, uh, opposite me as always, Mr. Ronan Mullen, Dr. Lecter, <laughs> Dr. Lecter. Yes, you heard the very ominous opening titles of uh, The Silence of the Lambs. Uh, we're here today to do uh, the, the iconic uh, 1991 spectacular that was Silence of the Lambs. Ball buster. Fucking ball. Box office buster. Brain buster. Yeah, I was going to say head blowing. That's what it was. Uh, yes, I mean, it's. Uh, we've used it before, this word iconic, but mm. um, uh, quite a lot of this um, has become iconic in, in loads of different ways, loads of different scenes, living yeah. parts, characters, all the rest. So we'll talk about that today. Uh, hopefully, you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, um, please go watch it. But if you have seen it, go and watch it again because it, uh, it's actually quite nice on, on, on a rewatch. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, I, I was told today. By a guy who came into our shop and he said this. You know, I only started watching that Veep show because of your podcast. And I went, you're a moron. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're spread, what I tell you, we're spreading Veep around the world. We're doing all right. So yeah. We might get people on the, the science and labs. Hopefully by this stage uh, you've seen it. Um, and I would imagine even if you haven't seen Science and Lambs, you either A, know about it. You know um, something. Or B, you've seen something being parodied or done in tribute to it. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, because especially, we'll talk about, the, obviously, the cast, but even the actual, uh, some of the scenes in it um, are quite, um, what would you call it? Um, copy? <laughs> you, well, they've you been be, parodied. They, they've been parodied a lot, lot, but they've been, there's a lot of um, sort of nods to it and different yeah. wee sort of, especially horror stuff. Yeah. Um, so, 1991, I mean... Is it a horror? Do you think it's a horror? I would. I never really called it a horror. I would always seen it as a, like a psychological thriller. Thrill, yeah, yeah. I, I go down that route But it's proper thriller. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 there's been very few, you know, proper got me since, mm-hmm. <laughs> in fairness. And still? And still, yeah. Um, even uh, rewatching this week, I just thought, oh, I forgot about that. You yeah. know, there's there's bits that pop up, and you're like, "Oh, that's I forgot." Um, but the tension and some of the, especially towards the end, mm-hmm. um, I always loved that. It really got me the first time I watched it. But I'm trying to think the first time we would have seen it. You know, we talked about this before in the podcast of back in the good old days of us looking on Wikipedia now and going, "Oh, 1981." That doesn't necessarily mean that's when Ireland seen it. Yeah, yeah, it could have been 82, 83. But time came to video would have been maybe 84. Well, um, it had a, it had a, it was the the longest run. Of a film before the Oscars because right. it came out on Valentine's Day in 1981. That was going to say, yeah, what a which is too <laughs> close to the Oscars for it to be considered for that year. What a date night! But movie. also, <laughs> <laughs> what an unfortunate, unfortunate date night movie yeah. for many, Especially many. If he just went and had dinner. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it, the the basis of this, I mean, it comes from uh, a book or, yeah. or, or a set of books, but mm-hmm. it initially comes from a book. Um. Thomas Harris is the 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 writer, the author. But I mean, we've already seen bits of his work before Silence of the Lambs. Yes, we did. So we had Michael Mann's uh, Manhunter mm-hmm. in nineteen seventy nine, maybe. Or 80, no, maybe? no, no, no. It was the Red Dragon itself came out in eighty one. Eighty one. Sorry, and Manhunter came out in 86. eighty six. Oh yes, that was eighty six. So, yeah, so Manhunter was based on Red Dragon. Red Dragon was bought by Dino De Laurentiis. Yes, uh, he's and he thought this was going. to... I've got it. This is going to be the greatest <laughs> of all the psychological thrillers. Where's he from? He's from Italy. Do you know what I'm he isn't from Arma. And he, um, so he buys this. He gets a good script. He gets a good director. They get a mighty cast. Hmm. And it's a great story. And it fucking bombs. It bombed, yeah. On its ass. So 
Thomas Harris is in the process of writing Silence of the Lambs in 1988. Mm-hmm. Bit of a gap. He was a journalist. Right. So okay. he wrote a few books. But he was notoriously... Uh, Enjoyed his anonymity, right. tell Thomas Harris, to the point that between 1976 and 2019, mm-hmm. he didn't do an interview. What? He never did an interview. Not one. He lived in Florida, and it wasn't until 2019 when a New York Times profile, he was a new book coming out, mm-hmm. and a New York Times profile finally snared him and said, we have to do an interview, and he went, okay. <laughs> so he did this massive, and it was a very, very well-publicized uh, right? interview. And he, there's pictures of him in the profile, obviously, and all this. And it wasn't until then that people who he'd been working in an animal sanctuary, he'd been volunteering, finally realized what he was and who he was. and Because he, he never talked about himself. Jesus, oh. So they knew he was Thomas Harris, but then he's not that Thomas Not the Harris. Thomas Harris, yeah. So Stephen King was talking about um, him as a writer. And he said that uh, he agonizes over everything. So... Yeah. They were kind of finding it difficult to find out what that meant by Stephen King because nobody ever interviewed Thomas Harris. Yeah. So they said to him, what did he mean by that? And Thomas Harris said, describing his writing as passive. Sometimes you really have to shove and grunt. Some days you go to the office and you're the only one who shows up. None of the characters show up. And then you sit there by yourself, feeling like an idiot. And then there's other days where everybody shows up to work. <laughs> you have to show up at your office every day. If an idea comes by, you want to be there to get it in. But he was talking about characters like Hannibal Lecter yes. <laughs> and Dolores Fullerhide and, you know, Dollarhide and all these fucking, and Buffalo Bill. Proper psychos. And all these boys. You imagine him in the cubicle next to him. And him just agonizing. So he's got this book. Now, Red Dragon was popular. His previous books were very popular too. Mm-hmm. Um, but Science and Lambs was a summer blockbuster book. It was the book everybody had at the beach in the yeah. 80s. It was yeah. massive. It was huge. And then they... they um so they adapted it then. It was adapted the screenplay then for um, for it, the movie. It was. This is a bit of a difficult one because Orion, the company that Orion developed Pictures, yeah. Silence of the Lambs, they bought it. Um, they bought the rights to the book, but Dino De Laurentiis still had the rights to the name Hannibal Lecter. That, that's I remember seeing that he he owned the name, didn't he? He owned the character name or something. And to be absolutely fair to Dino De Laurentiis, who I will again perform. He said, take it for free. That's right. He and he gave it to them for now. Uh, but the, well, because he th- I think it's because he, 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 I think it he was such a failure yeah, that he thought he, it wasn't going to go anywhere. It wasn't going to go anywhere. It bombed so much the last time. So he he, he sold for now, the, the rights to the word, the name Hannibal Lecter, which they needed because the book, the book is very hooked on I me. Mean, Clary Starling and yeah. fucking Buffalo Bill, who's called not James, not Jamie. But Jim Gum. Jim Gum, yeah. Jim. Yeah. If you're called fucking Jim. If you're S-less. Then already they should have been just looking through the phone going, did somebody put that name in wrong? Is that Jim? He's definitely the boy. Uh, you know, uh, and all these bizarre but elaborate names, but they're people, you, you know a fucking, yeah. you know, Jack Crawford. You know a Clarice Starling, yeah. but you'd always go, that's a weird name, isn't it? Yeah. Do I know so, a Lecter? So they need, <laughs> they need a Hannibal Lecter yeah. in here. So, to get that was a massive coup, but what they had, the other side of this was, Orion bought half of the rights to Science and Lambs. Right. Gene Hackman bought the other half. That's right. Hackman was supposed to be in it, wasn't he? He was going to star was supposed as to be, Crawford, he, was he? He was going to direct. That's right, yeah. And he was also going to be Lecter at the start, oh. but then they were going, no, 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 you, you should think about uh, Jack Crawford. So he says, right, 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 right. Because there's a lot behind this Jack Crawford guy. So Ted Talley, who's the screenwriter, was mm-hmm. hired by Gene Hackman to start writing screenplay. And Talley was all gung-ho. He'd read the book already and he was a massive fan. So he was blaring through it. Right. Then all of a sudden, Gene Hackman's daughter rings Gene Hackman and goes, Daddy, you can't be involved in this because it's horrible. And he went, I don't <laughs> want anything to do it. And Ryan went, tell you what, we'll buy your half. So Ryan bought a screenplay, uh, the rights to a film, and the name... For $500,000. Jesus. And Hackman disappeared. All of a sudden then, because they'd worked with Jonathan Demme, Jonathan Demme turns up. Yeah. And he has his own ideas. Yeah, did you hear who he was? Who's going to be... Now, one I get, and we'll get to that one. Oh. One I do not. Uh, Sean, Sean C. Connery. <laughs> what? As Hannibal Lecter. I, I, <laughs> I'm not even going to do the accent <laughs> taking the piss, because it's too ludicrous. 
that that's probably the the the, the biggest um, yeah ludicrous is the word maybe I mean it's it's it's, it's the most incredible alternative line uh, of, of uh, casting that could have happened, but for Clarice starting as well. No, so they had he wanted Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm into that. <laughs> I bet you are. No, uh, hold on. I'm into that because. <laughs> I know this is going to sound wrong too. I was going to say because I've seen Batman Returns, but then you're going to think, but do you remember when she's like lying on the ground after being thrown out the building, starts doing all that maniacal laughing? Yeah. And then when she comes back after becoming Catwoman, Uh this is all in air quotes, Uh and she's just deadpan. Yeah. That Michelle Pfeiffer I can get into. Yeah, yeah. I could say that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. But Um, then also. Have you ever seen Married with the Mob? Who Jonathan Demme, Jonathan Demme had just yeah, worked had, with her on before this. And Matthew Modine as well. Yeah. yeah. She's brilliant in that. Um, and, and Meg Ryan as well. Meg Ryan I don't and Nicole Ryan. Kidman and Halle Berry. I was like, no. I'm not getting that. There's so, there, there had to be that, what would you call that, uh, sort of inner strength, if you want to call it that, of, uh, and Julie Foster definitely had that. She definitely had it. No, um, I'm not I'm not playing down Julie no, Foster. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just we're, talk, we're doing the usual thing we talk about in the podcast of yeah. what would it be like with somebody else. Um, I don't, I can't imagine anybody else. Uh, I think in, Ted, in role, Ted Talley said, Michelle Pfeiffer is too beautiful. You yeah. won't believe that she's going through all this hardship. Yeah. This film is, this film, to Jonathan Demme, this film is about a woman saving a woman. Everything yeah. else is just circumstantial. Yeah, it's okay. just part of the fluff. Yeah, and that's a good description because it. We'll talk about that. It, it got a bit of slack for its interpretation of female murder, mm. the LGBT community, mm-hmm. um, and the way transgenders are portrayed, which there's an answer to, and we'll get to. But I think it had to be. It had to be a Jodie Foster, or even a Julia Roberts. Mm, yeah, at I the time, I think. I think that's the one thing we could definitely say. You could maybe. You could see maybe another Clarice Sterling. You could see another Crawford, but you just couldn't see another Lecter. No, and I probably couldn't maybe see another Buffalo Bill. But we'll come to that. But we'll come to that because he again he's fucking unbelievable in this film. Yeah, but Lecter. I mean, it just well. What l- is it? Total- luckily, Sean Connery turned it down. Like fuck for that. And Anthony Hopkins was starring in a play. And luckily, Jonathan Demme was a big fan of Anthony Hopkins from The Elephant Man. He mm-hmm. also played mm-hmm. a doctor in The Elephant Man. So, a different doctor to be from. Yeah. So, yes. And what you were about to say was the screen time. Yeah. I mean, so it's less than 25 minutes. Yeah. And he got the... Well, that's the other thing. He's in eight scenes. Is it? Is it still only three films to have the top five at the Oscars? It's still. So, it's One Flew Over Cooker's Nest. It happened one night. It happened one night and Silence of the Lambs. So, that means Best Picture, Best, best Actor, Best Actress... Best director. director and best screenplay. Best screenplay, yeah. And that's there's only that's only happened three times where a film's won that, and yeah. they're the three films. And yeah, but I mean, and that's I a think heady that's, fucking. That's a good category. That nope, probably nobody's really going to get that again. Well, I think the best actor category. I don't. I don't know the exact figure, but there's something scandalous figure between the minutes on screen for Hopkins to the next. Yeah, you like know the next lowest De Niro, number. Warren Beatty. Yeah, it might have been like Nick Nolte and Jeff Bridges were the. And they they were the stars of the film, yeah. Who were in virtually every frame, every frame, and that's what I'm saying. So I mean, Hopkins in for 25 minutes. I think if you looked at the history of Oscar winners, I think it's something like it's nearly an hour and five before anybody, yeah. you know, anybody yeah, else yeah. as low as that, you know, yeah, that yeah. thing. So the gap is it's it's it shows you how it was unprecedented. It was, but so was the performance. It's it's it's, it's stand clear, like <laughs> it really is stand clear. They said that the the moment when you first see him is the first moment they shot of him. Right, okay. And Jodie Foster wasn't there. Now, in this film, you'll notice there's a lot of close-ups. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people talking to the camera or just uh-huh. off the camera, and that's well, deliberate. Do you, Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't really look into it, but upon watching this week, I realized that, and I, and I actually watched it. It progresses throughout the film. Yeah. It progresses in the sense that Lecter's the only one talking to the audience at the start. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean talking to them, it's breaking the wall. He's just... Yeah. Dead straight on dead angle. Straight on the camera. Foster's Clary Starling's a wee, a wee bit, bit off. off. Wee yeah, bit yeah. off. But as the film progresses, all of them start looking to the camera. Everybody starts looking at you. Everybody starts transforming yeah. to Lecter in that sense. They're and all looking at you. It's, it's, it's like a way of psychologically pushing the notion that you're you're in the room. That's what you're here. I think now when I seen that recently, that made me realise why that sort of uh chase scene, if you want to call it at the end, yeah. is so heightened and so like the fuck you know, it's really fucking proper thrilling. Like it's a proper thriller. Um, so I mean, Lecter, as you say, the, the very first. I mean, the very first scene uh, that you see Lecter when they, when she first visits the prison. I mean, 
you've got to remember you've got the line from Meg. Yeah, we got to talk about Meg's. <laughs> Meg's is Meg's, next door. Meg's. He only has one Meg's line. Is two, no, it's two lines. Oh, two lines. It's two lines, and it's the one coming in and yeah, the one when she's leaving, <laughs> which is a good euphemism for what he actually ends up doing yeah. when she's leaving. When she's coming out. When she's coming door. and going, or going and coming, whatever oh, way you want Oh, my God. I think he says it's horrible. It's oh, horrible. Can we say the C word on? Well, we're just quoting it. Yeah. I think he says, I can, I smell, your, you I can smell your coconut. C- coconut. And you just go, all right, this is all the superior loonies. These yeah. are the fucking... Hall of Fame loonies in this one. I remember when it first happened. I didn't hear. No, Connor, this is a good. This is why my story about goodbye horses is going to be. Very <laughs> no, irrelevant. but what I mean is, I, I didn't. I didn't really get it, and then le- an elector uh, references it. Then yes, but you're like, oh, he did say that. You know, whenever the yeah. first time I watched the very first time I watched, it, I didn't go because it's, just, it's sort of a. It's, it's, a, r- it's, it's a real visceral very, thing. Yeah. You don't really. You haven't heard that in many films. No, and it's done so quickly, and it's done so much. But you know, you sort of did I just mm-hmm. hear that? Did that? And then you're like, fuck. So then, Meg started for America too. That's a for America. big thing. That's a massive thing. They're, they don't like the coconut. You've already met up with that fucking warden, who's the biggest dick of all time. Yeah, and you know she's being sort of basically the introduction to the film is Starling like. In Quantico, training and getting herself ready for this thong and the other. And then all of a sudden... It just goes. She, um... And then all of a sudden... <laughs> sorry, I just, sorry, I just pointed it on there. A butterfly just flew. There's a fucking butterfly in the window. <laughs> Shit. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Is this our last book? <laughs> oh, the signs are Dr. there. Lecter. <laughs> Dr. Lecter. Dr. Lecter. Um, <laughs> if a fucking lamb runs in here, I'm breaking the bank, man. <laughs> so, uh... This is Tyrone, like, so it could yeah. happen. <laughs> Where the fuck was I? It totally threw me. That scared the shit out of me. I swear to fuck. Uh, anyway. Yeah. It's still here, um, so, the, the, all these people that are in this room, are, are, we're building to this, but you know you're building something huge anyway. Yeah. And then when you get to Lecter, and how they said... John or uh, Jonathan Demi asked Anthony Hopkins, "Do you want to be seated? Do you want to be lying in your bed? Do you want to be sitting with your back to the glass?" Mm-hmm. And he goes, "No, no, I'm just going to be sitting with all the lights on, dead center of the room." And he was like, "But how are you going to know it's her coming?" And he goes, "Because I can smell her." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh fuck!" And he went, "Fuck, we've got the right man here. Yeah. Just let it roll." Oh, I- and apparently, their scenes took like two or three days to film. They were back and forwards, which happened four times. Uh-huh. And when you can tell because they're just getting more and more anxious as the scenes go yeah, on. And absolutely, yeah. The progression of the fucking story is, and something happens, and I never fucking picked it up. Right. Um, he's doing a painting. Uh huh. The first time they meet. Yeah. And he says it's called. Uh, uh, this is the Duomo, a scene from the Belvedere. Mm-hmm. That's a clue to where Buffalo Bill is already. She hasn't even mentioned him because he's found in Belvedere, Ohio. That's right. So he tells her straight away a wee clue. So he's fucking where from minute oh, one. Oh like. mate, didn't even, I didn't even notice that there. Um. Well, well, we'll play a wee clip actually of him because I mean it's this probably became one of the most like, iconic and yeah, definitely the parody um level of it was through the roof for mm-hmm. the, the especially directly five years after, um maybe even oh, ten yeah. years but even you know you still get it sometimes but uh, this is um Hector 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 Hector, Hector. Uh, <laughs> Hannibal Lecter talking to Clarice and explaining uh, what happened before what happened his last dinner date Mrs. Taker once tried to test me I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti again he never told him he was going to do that <laughs> and because the camera's dead on his face mm-hmm. he can do whatever the fuck he wants yeah. Again, also as well, when Lecter takes the piss out of Jodie Foster's southern accent, mm-hmm. he he didn't tell her he was going to do it. So she was actually upset that he was mocking her as an actor, <laughs> but he was just trying to get her to fucking get yeah, more. Yeah, and it worked. He's phenomenal. Like, oh, yeah, unreal. He wasn't just good himself. He was making other people yeah, really he, he, raise their game. Yeah. And I mean, his his uh, his approach to. Like as we said about the Demi, obviously must have made a decision about the camera dead on. Yeah, but then his decision to not blink. He did you hear about that? Hey, I I I because I I'd heard about it in in recent. I I remember I've watched this film maybe four or five times, and last night or night four was the most recent one. But yeah. about five years ago, so in between five years ago and this, I'd heard about the not blinking thing. So then I purposely this time watched it going. And it's about him being a reptile. 
I I counted two. Were reptiles, two blinks, but he's it's in the middle of when he's yeah almost a wee bit agitated. And reptiles consciously blink. They only blink when they want to blink. <laughs> they also don't sweat. Uh huh. Right? I was thinking, yeah. So then you notice at the end uh-huh. when he's in really really hot country and everybody's licking it. He's yeah. the only man not sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. <laughs> Um, so the, the, the level of detail into, into the portrayal of Lecter, um, it, it, it kind of made it untouchable for anybody else. As mm-hmm. that, I mean, it made a shit show of Brian Cox's, uh, Lecter. It sort of did. But uh, Brian Cox's Hannibal Lecter, I had no problem with. It's, it's a different just, type. Just, it's yeah. just when you walk into this one. <laughs> you can't come back. Yeah. You're just breathtaking. It's, it's kind of like we talked about Heath Ledger and the Joker. Mm-hmm. It's like when a certain actor takes it to a, a level that there's just no. Yeah. Uh, uh, anything else is just trying to replicate it. Yeah, because or party. You, yeah. You're taking a deliberate piss of yourself. But yeah. Cox, in particular, I thought was fantastic, and he's he's written as good. It's just performed. Yeah, with such like concerned well, it, menace. Is it? Like, there's it, no. He doesn't look like he's ever going to lose it once. It has to be, and and a lot of people might argue with this, but it has to be a lot to the theater experience. Have to be. You know, you think of like the likes of Ian McKellen, things like that. You know, the people who prop like Alan Rickman was more. Mm-hmm. Theater before you get back for Die Hard, you yeah, know yeah. it was like there's proper, and you can see when a theater actor's on the screen mm. as opposed to somebody just getting there for the for the looks of it. Now Jodie Foster, I mean, she'd already done The Accused, it was Osc- one Oscar for Oscar for that. You know, she had um, very well respected. I mean, mm-hmm. she'd been about for like she was a, a child star in that sense. Mm-hmm. Taxi driver, uh, taxi driver, and I was in um, Freaky Freddy, of course. Freaky Freddy's man, <laughs> like um, the freak. <laughs> we have. You know, it's another weird thing I found out. Um, the the cinematographer, uh, Tak Fujimoto. Oh, yeah. Is the cinematographer for um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Pretty in Pink. Get out. And all those John Hughes songs that are mm-hmm. like your whole childhood. Breakfast Club, no? All, like he, he's right. the cinematographer. So all that, that look of the 80s is him. It's him. Doing he's doing this. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to explain. He's a really uh, good cinematographer. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Um, so, I mean, you, you're, you're, so that if you haven't seen the film, I mean, the idea is Clarice Starling is trying to get, uh, he's trying to interview Lecter to try and get a profile um, and to try and figure out because there is a killer on the loose at the moment mm. who goes by the name of Buffalo Bill because he skins his victims. Yep. Now, Buffalo Bills played play, played by Ted Levine, the exceptional Ted Levine, who yeah is uh, amazing this and scary as fuck. Scary is not even close yeah. to the fucking word. <laughs> so it's so like you're you've so many different emotions in this film because yeah. you're watching Lecter going, he's a boy that faces and all this crap, and then this <laughs> fucking weirdo is turned up, and you just have no idea where this is going. And and so I mean we we see earlier on early in the film, I mean the the. What would you call it? The sort of the, the deceitful level that uh, Buffalo Bill goes to, um, or Jim Gum, as it called, Jim, Jim, Jim. The reading up on it, uh, I mean, there's 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 a mixture of three serial killers within Buffalo Bill. There's a mixture of quite a few, but there's three that are that you can distinctly take it away from. Yeah, so one is added in only because of the book, but the three. Right. Yeah, the, so the three was Ted Bundy was the, was the first one because of the 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 cast, the cast, and the arm, and luring and people, luring in. people into the van. He he did that with like coeds and stuff. He would yeah. drop books, and he would have a broken arm, and they'd be over, and then he'd invite them out for, it, and then they're and fucked. then that's it gone. Well, figuratively and literally, <laughs> <laughs> and butcher too, figuratively <laughs> and literally. Uh, yeah, who else do we have? You had um, Ed Gein was so, the guy then. Yeah, was sort of into the the. He was the, cutting off bits cutting and off making bits his and, own yeah. like uh, dolls and fucking. He would make his own like uh, like he would get the clothes reels from his grandmother and hang up the flesh mm. of his fucking mum and all. He was a lovely fella. They found and him then, in a house across the like across his field, uh, like having dinner with the family. Of course, when they were hunting for him, they went into his shed and found all these bodies hanging upside down and all this crack, and then went. We gotta find Ed, and then Ed was having like spuds across the way with like a Wayne and their man die. Here, Nick, pass the butter there. Uh, Heidman was the name of the other serial killer. He was the third serial killer. He was the guy that sort of he had the pit. He had the pit. So the yeah. well or the 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 where the 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 kidnapped uh, girls were put and stored and held captive. I mean, so that so you had a culmination. So there is a serial killer element, obviously, to this, but it doesn't really go into the serial killer level. Um, what what you would see maybe say nowadays in TV shows, Criminal Minds, and all that sort of stuff. This sort of goes into more the psychology of 
Isn't it more the cannibalism? More like, it, it, it sort is, of stands out more because uh, we'll get on to the the Buffalo Bills indiscrepancies if you mm-hmm. want to call it that. Um, but I mean, when you're talking Lecter, <laughs> what a way of describing it. <laughs> oh, y'all know, y'all fucking know what's coming. Um, Lecter is it's it's. I think that's the more unnerving thing because I'm not sure. Uh, obviously, because I was young enough, 1981. I'm not sure too many cannibal films were in the mainstream at that time. No, and, and none of them that were shock or schlock horror they were called at the time are a bit campy. Yeah. None of them were taken vitally serious. Yeah, none. Of, well, another thing was well. I mean, I don't think anybody went into the detail of this guy's a fucking shrink. Or this, yeah. you know, this guy can get into the heads literally <laughs> and yeah, figuratively. He, he, he can, and uh, apparently that's based on. Um, a guy, a guy called Richard Kep, who was a criminologist who worked out at Washington. Right. He was the guy who went in and was interviewing Bundy over and over again, and then okay. figured out that if he brought case files from other to Bundy, would Bundy be able to give him? And Bundy gave him pretty much gave them the Green River Killer, Gary Ridgway. Yeah, yeah. So right, they yeah. ended up catching him based on information that Bundy had given them. Yeah. So that's a great fucking story on its own. On its own by itself, yeah. <laughs> but it's got nothing on this film or this this story because obviously it's fiction, but. There's so many unbelievable scenes, and let's let's talk about that first for briefly. the The book and the film are virtually identical. Yeah, they did not take a lot of license at all. All the major hits in this film are in the right. book. I have to admit, never read it. So it's a very <laughs> it's a very uh, filmic, you know, description of things in the book. Okay. Anyway, right. so they had a gold mine in the book. So half a million for the fucking thing was fucking... And I wonder, you know, we talked about this, um, about The Dark Knight. We talked about when Heath Ledger was announced Mm -hmm. as the Joker. Now, I'm not saying Hannibal Lecter was as iconic as the Joker, but, I mean, if you're talking about being a a blockbuster book in the 80s or 88, whatever the year was, I'm sure a lot of fans, I would love to know what was the reaction when they heard Anthony Hopkins. Because they probably thought, ooh, that's not going to work. I would agree with you there. You know, I mean, if you're th- thinking about the theatre actor and the likes of, you know, this, this sort of period drama sort of stuff he may have been involved in in the past, and yeah. all that sort of, he wouldn't he wouldn't have, you never would have thought he would have been the person that would have got under your skin as, <laughs> we keep using literal and figurative things <laughs> <Yeah>. here, <laughs> uh, that, you know, he, he really did, he creeped right in, like it was creeped, fucking proper. Creeped, big time. And like, in, I don't think he's left my head <laughs> ever. No. I don't mean, you know, I'm not fucking well, I think eating it was, my family, but I mean, it's, wasn't he voted like the, the number one horror or scary figure of all time? Yeah, I think him and, I, had, I think him and Clarice as a, as a uh, hero, hero versus villain was like one of the best. Um, it sort of is. It's sort of. It's one of those. There's so many weird stories I've been reading about this, and a lot of them are about afterwards. So I'll, I'll tell a few after. But there's one, there's one that fucked me up. Like I was reading about there. Right. Scott Glenn. He yeah. played Jack Crawford. Uh-huh. Jack Crawford is based on the criminal uh, behavioral science unit mastermind John Douglas. Right. Okay. John Douglas is the guy who wrote Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. Which Mindhunter the TV show was based on? Yeah. So pretty much all the fucking geniuses that are coming out of any sort of idea you have of the FBI and hunting serial killers. Yeah. This man developed it. Yeah. So he's the basis for Jack Crawford, like I said, who was played by Scott Glenn. He's also the basis for um, the William Peterson, Ed Norton roles in Manhunter and Red Dragon. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so he's a profiler. He pretty much uh, when they went to the Quantico. Because uh, unprecedented as well, Science of the Lambs was allowed to be filmed in the actual yeah, quantity. Yeah, And that's was... never, ever happened no. before. So when they went to his office, because obviously Scott Glenn was following him around and he wanted to know what this guy was mm-hmm. and get into his head. Scott Glenn had a bigger role in the film, by the way. It was cut out. A lot of it was cut out. Right. So he says his office was horrific. Right. Real small, claustrophobic, lots of pictures of dead bodies and stuff because he was still actively profiling criminals right. at the time. So John Douglas has profiled... Berkowitz, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, Charles Manson, Lynette Fromm, Sarah Jean Moore, Edmund Kemper, James Earl Ray, Søren Søren, Richard Speck, Donald Harvey, Gary Ridgway, and Joseph Paul Franklin. All the worst of the worst. That's <laughs> some dinner party. However, he has stated the most disturbing individual for whom I have ever created a profile and was terrified of was Lawrence Bittaker. Lawrence Bittaker was one half of the Toolbox Murders. They call oh, them the Toolbox Murders because right, uh-huh. they would use toolbox items uh-huh. to kill women and rape them with. Right. This gets worse. Oh. 
Stephen Kay, who was the prosecutor at Bedecker's trial, still considers the murders committed by Bedecker and Norris as the worst criminal case he's ever prosecuted right. or encountered, and remained insistent in his belief that prior to Bedecker's death, via natural causes, he had been more deserving of being executed than any other inmate incarcerated in death row history. <laughs> Wait. In interviews, <laughs> he has stated that for over two years following the trials of Lawrence Bittaker, his sleep was disturbed by recurring nightmares where he thought he could save the victims but never could. Oh, Jesus. Paul Bynum, the chief investigator of the murders committed by Bittaker, committed suicide in December 1987. He was 39. In a 10-page suicide note, Bynum specifically referred to the murders committed by Bittaker as haunting him and of his fear they may be released from prison. Now, this is the bit that's relevant to Science for the Lamps. The audio cassette that Bittaker created of himself raping and torturing victims remains in the possession of the FBI Academy. The reason being, the recording is used to train and desensitize the FBI agents to the raw reality of torture and murder. Jesus. So while Scott Glenn uh-huh. was walking around with John Douglas, John Douglas played him the tape and it freaked him the fuck Jesus. out. For months he couldn't film him. They had to film his stuff at the end. Because he was that battered by it. It would, but wouldn't it? Like, of course it fucking would. Send you fucking mental. Because, um, I mean, this is the other thing is too, there's a, like we talked about before, a psychological thriller. So the psychology plays a big part in it. Oh, yeah. Because obviously, like, there is a psychiatrist in that. But, um, I mean, the title. The Sil- silence yeah. of the line. You know, you have to really, there's fuck all three alarms in the film. In the sense, you know, except for the story of Clarice, so so it's kind of like a train spotting thing. Um, I don't think think we see one lamb the whole time, and it's but, one of those ones as well. When you were a kid and you'd read it, you'd read the title on a poster, or you seen the title on the yeah. front, the video in the video shop, you would go, "What's the gambit guy?" Or the worst one, no, no, what really got me was Silence of Lambs and a butterfly being on the screen or uh-huh. the cover, and I was going, "Not a lamb, it's a funny looking lamb, a fucking butterfly." Really. Uh, so I mean. Obviously, we, we, we it gets very apparent what the Silence of the Lambs represented when you get into the, the yeah. story and what you know. Um, but a lot of it, if you think of the butterfly, and we'll move on to Buffalo Bill, mm-hmm. the sort of theme of transformation, you know, was rife throughout the whole film. Yeah, growth um, and a new birth, and well, even from Clarice being you know the 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 sweaty um, FBI fucking recruit running around mm-hmm. the camp at the start to the trouser suit and going into the prison. You know, there's transformation everywhere, right mm-hmm. from. But I think the only one who doesn't transform is Lecter. No, because he's perfect. He's, he just stays. He's perfect. He doesn't even. He doesn't even sweat. And that's the type of thing that Hopkins was reading in that script and that very brief character profile that he was reading of her, his character. He was. Getting all that from it? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think Lecter's a psycho. I think Anthony Hopkins is a psycho. <laughs> yeah, that might be more true, yeah. Um, but you've got, I mean, it, well, obviously there was a, a, a transformation of, um, even the other night whenever I watched it, me and my wife watched it together and we don't wa- usually watch anything, but we did watch this because we both love it. And uh, <laughs> the scene when she gets the parting gift from Miggs, it's still... <sighs> So if you don't know what I'm talking about, basically... We've already referenced Megs. We know Megs. Megs. So on the way out... Smells her her coconut, and then on the way out... Megs is fruiting about, and you're like, is he stabbing him? <laughs> he fires some coconut milk at her, yeah. and... Uh, <laughs> Megs, and goes Megs, right in her hair. Megs blurts and fires no. it through the bar. <laughs> but the shot, literally the shot... It's the best shot. <laughs> the cum shot. You couldn't have got a better <laughs> shot. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's... at. Uh, obviously, there's something about Mary dealt with that later yeah. years to come. But <laughs> spectacular as well, by the way. Um, but the the actual, just the the, it sets such a a, a level of contrast between the two cells. Yeah, you've got this. Yeah, bang fucking on, yeah. instinctual raw animal, mm-hmm. and then you've got the sophistication of a fucking artist next door. Mm-hmm. You know, but all who, considered the same level of animal, who then was able. Via his powers of mm-hmm. psychiatry and fucking with people's heads, yep. <laughs> managed to kill Migs just by talking to him. Just by talking to him, <laughs> whispering to him through the cell. He you don't see his it. Tongue, really? Yeah, he swallowed his tongue in a seizure. You don't see it, but uh, that's how it reports. So um, there was almost like a like a protective thing. Like Lecter sort he of thought fell it was disgusting. Yeah, he? he thought he, that was but disgusting. He, 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 <laughs> <I know. laughs> he ripped off a person's face. <laughs> yeah. He thought 
throwing your your wank <laughs> yeah. at a doll was disgusting. Um, which, which is fair enough, you know. But well, listen, I mean, my wife wasn't too happy when I did it when she came out of the bathroom after <laughs> watching it. <laughs> you know what it's going to be well for now. <laughs> she she was not impressed. Um, she just washed the hair too, but blue attack. Ah, for fuck. call that the Spider Man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's good to laugh during the Science of the Lambs episode. <laughs> I swear to fuck. That's the only thing that caused the tension because this fucking butterfly is getting bigger in here. Um, but <laughs> so, I mean, the butterfly thing, because even if you look at the cover and it's, it's got a picture of Jodie Foster's face and the, and the butterfly over the mouth, but that was a big thing that uh, the sort of calling card of Buffalo Bill yeah. was leaving these cocooned, uh, obviously, caterpillars that yeah. are going to turn into uh, moths. Um, mm. And again, so that's back to transformation. But it then leads on to the bill himself, Big Bill. Big Bill, and well, and we 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 have we have some of Big Bill, um, one of his greatest hits. Oh, um, well, I mean, young young uh, Brooke Smith, who plays Catherine Martin, who's the daughter of the senator. Uh-huh. She actually gained twenty five pounds, and it's her first role, and she's very very good in it. And um, uh, will we go for a bit of? We'll, we'll, we'll play a clip here. Which one will we go first? Will we go for a bit of? We, I think we should go for um, maybe down the well. Okay. Um, and the only reason I want to bring that one up first is you get this isn't Ted Levine's voice. Yeah. And the decision to make it make this voice the voice. <laughs> I wonder was that Ted Levine's decision? Or? We'll, we'll do our own impressions of it after, but <laughs> it's pretty. Say we. <laughs> it rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. It. Mr. My family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> yes, you will, precious. You will get the hose. Okay. 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 Mr. If you let me go, I won't. I won't press charges, I promise. See, my mom is a real important woman. I, I guess you already know that. Now it places the lotion in the basket. Please. Please. Oh, I go home, please. Please. It places the lotion in the basket. Such a creepy bastard. I want to see my mommy. Please. No. I want to see my mommy. What's the fucking lotion in the basket? <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell, It's like the uh, Heath Ledger when he does a look at me. Yeah. When he gets to the lotion in the basket. Well, she says that she was terrified of him the whole time they were filming together, but they ended up being like good friends. There's right. just on-set photos of him hugging her and all because he realized <laughs> I'm freaking the fucking he was shit at her. creepy as fuck. <laughs> and in a real creepy setting and just creeping about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck did he just say? Uh, yeah, so I mean that was uh, what again. I mean the the level of detail and into what uh, I mean this is before Saw films and things. Yeah, like that, you none, know? So nothing, not, nothing looked like this. Nothing before. had been seen like this. I mean the rubbing lotion, you know, to keep the skin, to keep for the skin fresh. You know, it was things like that that you just oh, it never fuck. entered people's fucking minds, and you're like, what the fuck? Uh, and this is ninety one. I mean, you're talking, you know, we're thirty years on at this stage. Thirty years next year. Mm. Which is crazy, um, fuck. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, you're. It was groundbreaking in that sense because mm. we had serial killer movies before in the road, but nothing really hit like that level of detail. No, and that level of disgust. Like Dirty Harry's a serial killer from. Yeah, but and it, you know, it, it's nothing. It doesn't go as detail like the scenes where they pull the bodies from the river. And they yeah. they start to just analyze the body, and then they find out that there's a cocoon in the throat, and oh, you're like, there's even a detail in there when they pull the cocoon out, and there's a breath out, and they're saying that's her last. Like somebody recorded that in the studio after they say that's her last breath, the cocoon trapped. Oh, and you're just like, oh, fucking every inch of this is just, but it's so entertaining, and it's such a fucking, it really is such a really well made film. It's such a gung ho ending as well. Um, I mean, you, you've you, well, we, we can come to that and. So uh, the Anton, if you haven't seen the Anton, uh you know, stop now. Obviously, you shouldn't have went this far if you haven't seen the, the film. Mm-hmm. But the Anton was 
I love the way it was cut together. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, then the the, the, the build up to the tension is Clarice ends up at the address of of Buffalo Bill, and but as the audience, you're believing that the whole SWAT team is no behind there. The ringing of the doorbell. The one thing that always got me was the ringing of the doorbell on the outside, but there was a big fucking. Yeah. Serious Aye. bell on the yeah, inside. Yeah. You're like, oh shit! And that's down in his basement. Down in the basement, and then uh, what? What you're expecting as the audience is the door opening, is the big SWAT team coming in. And it's not. It's just her standing there by herself. Yeah, she's uh, at the right address. She's at the right address. There looking at the for a woman. Address. Looking for uh, Mrs. Littman, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, and you're like, oh holy fuck! And that's when the tension starts, and then it just builds from there. But it's, it's cut almost instantly by Jim uh, Gum saying, uh, "She like." Great big fat person. <laughs> she great big fat person. <laughs> You're like, oh, Jane. Well, let me go and see. Uh, the, so there, and as if that wasn't tension enough, because mm-hmm. we, we know that he's an evil fucker. Um, we've seen him. He's a bit loop-de-loop because yeah. we've, well, we'll talk about the, <laughs> that, that iconic scene then. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we'll it's when it fl- Go through the end. We'll talk about we've yeah. a lot to talk <laughs> when, when it, f- when he flicks off the lights, yeah. In the house then and everything switched and Yeah, so uh, what we realise now is the SWAT team are far they can't get to her. No. If anything goes wrong, she's on her own. She's on her own. And yeah. she's now found what they thought they had found yeah. in Buffalo Bill. And he is now focused he now knows she knows who he is uh-huh. and he knows who she is. Uh-huh. And he gets her in the basement <laughs> and turns the fucking light off. And then wearing night vision goggles. And now, he's got night vision goggles. The big freak. Of course he's got fucking night vision goggles. As as I've watched Recently, there's a lot of frustration as an audience going, well, you could have killed her there. <laughs> you could have killed her there. Yeah, but could've it's about the hunt. <laughs> it's a hunt, yeah. Um, but I love the... the uh, it's, it's hard for you as a audience member to realise how dark this is until she starts properly reaching out as if she's blind. You and know, she looks a, terrified. Absolutely scares you. Which, again, is a great uh, bit of acting on, mm-hmm. on Jodie Foster's behalf. Um, but yeah, so it's like that POV, POV, that point of view sort of camera. So you're mm-hmm. following the, the night vision all the way through, and it's fucking so tense. It's unbelievable. Uh, and then eventually, then the, the sort of. Uh, he isn't quick enough. He isn't quick enough with the shoot. He, he the shoot, be, shoot, shoot. pulls back the hammer, and she hears it, turns, and That's fucking it. puts a few in him. But um, also shoots the the light in the light to show the to give us the world what we were what we're actually yeah, looking at to see what was going on. So, um, I mean, there's a few things I would sort of uh, the end. I mean, I mean, everybody loves a good end, you know. Um, but there was a couple of things stood out for me watching it recently again, and <laughs> actually my wife pointed out, and she was like, "Why are they doing that?" And it was the police. Uh-huh. So if you watch it again, you get a chance. The police are very fucking hammy in this thing, and Aye. I don't know why. They were directed that way. You've got them running, you know, the zigzag yep. along the corridors. And then when it's time to go in, they're doing the big deep breaths and all running in. And yeah. Like proper hammed out cops. I think Demi does no service to the cops in no. this at all. Because <laughs> no. the scene just before all this, the big dramatic scene, which I think lasts about fucking 20 minutes, when Lecter is in the cell in the courthouse. Yeah. So this is the final, well, that's not the final scene, but it's, I suppose it's No, Le- no, no, well, this, is, this is the build-up to what we yeah. just talked about then. The, the, basically, Lecter uh, has asked for Clarice to turn up, and he, they have a conversation where the silence of the lambs is explained, and he gives her a few documents and paintings and stuff, basically implying this is the last time we're ever going to see each other. Mm-hmm. Um, now, remember, we met Lecter first in a high-security prison where no one was fucking loud near him, and he was behind bulletproof glass that only had small <laughs> holes for him to breathe out of. <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> he's in a big open room. He's in a sports hall. With a big mental cell, where he's allowed to play all his tunes and do all his wee drawings, and there's only two boys looking after him, and both of them having a fucking ball day. what's going on. Both of them are fucking three days away from retirement. So the two boys, um, also in that scene, which I, I only just found it recently, George Romero's in it. What? George Romero is one of the cops who runs over to Clarice when she's touching Lecter for the last time and pulls her away. Oh, right. Also, Roger Corman's in it. Chris Isaac is one of the cops. The, the singer, he's Never one of the cops in the that? fucking left. And there's a few other fucking heads right. floating about. But anyway, so that scene in particular, again, shows the cops in a bad light. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole thing with the body in the elevator, the whole thing yeah. with the cop hanging up, and they all don't even realize that this large, fatter man in a cop suit isn't Lecter. <laughs> when clearly, <laughs> it's Lecter. <laughs> and that body on the top of the lift is, yeah. isn't Lecter. Uh, 
Even things that get. But it's got one of the best reveals in him coming oh. up in the ambulance and f- ripping the face ripping off. The skin off. I mean, that, that, again, there's things that get. I think that maybe might be up there as maybe one of the most standout moments for me in the it's film. A br- it's a brilliant it's bit just, of filmmaking. It's, it's brilliant filmmaking. It's just evil and yeah. genius at the same time. As 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 an escape for Lecter, mm-hmm. there were so many things about it that just were brilliant. And and when you're saying there about the book being so mm-hmm. close to it, I mean That's that just shows all, you the level that you know. Like they said that the basically from uh, you seeing him in the jail cell in the courthouse with all the lights and the music and all mm-hmm. to him ripping the face off is only about two paragraphs, right? And they dragged her out. Mm-hmm. Oh, Which was fucking great. It was always amazing. Um, so we have what, a, what we what what we find out then is. It isn't even the most disturbing bit of the film. <laughs> no. Because a scene happens. Yeah. And I have a story behind this scene, Connor. Now, how long are we on the right scene here now? Because there are a couple no, of no, scenes. No, 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 no. Sorry, 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 sorry. We'll get to that scene. We'll right. that you're scene. right, you're There's right. There's another right. scene which is equally <laughs> fucking disturbing. I'll, I'll except agree with you there. I'll agree with you there. Except it's, uh, it's, it's, more, it's just verbal. The, the other one's quite visual. This one's very verbal. This one's very verbal. And <laughs> the dialogue one, is just... This one has, like, Hannibal Lecter in, like, a hockey mask when he's meeting the senator to try to get a pardon for himself or some sort of plea that he can get into a different yeah. residence where he'll have a view. And and uh, to be honest with you, that mask became as iconic. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. They were um, meant to paint that mask, but it came in that color, and they're like, what, what color do you want? And they went, no. No, keep it that. That color yeah. looks like skin. Them three bars across the... You know... <clears throat> I think we seen it again in like Con Air, Steve Buscemi's character <laughs> wearing something similar, but it became then you know it was a lector mask then. Yeah. You know it was known as nothing else after that. I know you were saying hockey mask, but that's ultimately became the mask. Mm-hmm. The, um, now, this conversation starts off civil. <laughs> yeah, this is the end to the. To this the starts off civil. I remember that. <laughs> Tell me, Senator, did you nurse Catherine yourself? What? Did you breastfeed her? Now wait a minute. Yes, I did. Toughened your nipples, didn't it? Son of a bitch! Amputate a man's leg and he can still feel it tickling. Tell me, Mom, when your little girl is on the slab, where will it tickle you? Take this thing back to Baltimore. Five for ten, strongly built, about 180 pounds. Hair blonde, eyes pale blue. He'd be about 35 now. He said he lived in Philadelphia but may have lied. That's all I can remember, Mom. But if I think of any more, I will let you know. Oh, and Senator, just one more thing. Love your suit. <laughs> Jesus fucking <laughs> And it's the stare of the eyes as well. It's like one of those, you know, when you're... Like the whole build up him just trying to describe to them that he, he does have information on Buffalo Bill. Yeah. He does have information on where her daughter is. And he just shifts focus fucking so quick. So quick. Uh, yeah. And you can't see his face. He's acting with just his eyes. You can't see just a fucking thing. Like, uh, and you're, you're totally in. Like, you, you, you're you feeling every word there mm. from eyes. Which yeah. is, when you think of it, it's fucking quite a, quite a skill. Uh, that's hard to do, I, I would bet. I know um, I'm, I'm not versed on treading the boards, but... <laughs> well, never mind. Nobody's fucking as versed as that. The boards and mechanics, maybe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean... One of the things in the stood out, I suppose, we talked about earlier on, is sort of the the the, the transformation, sort of uh, in regards to the uh, transgender end of things. Mm-hmm. You know, Buffalo Bill sort of touched that topic because this before it was an issue. Before it was a, a well, it was an issue. Was That's an issue, right. That's yeah. wrong to say. But before it became sort of um, a, a, a topical debate mm. because it was sort of a, sort of a taboo subject, maybe then. But it, is this really? That's well, that's not obviously transgender, but I mean, it, it, this is still a serial killer, you know. But I think young boys all over the world mm. got a little bit shocked when they seen this yeah. footage because it hadn't really, no, hadn't really entered the mind. Now it might have entered older ones, but when you're watching this and you're thirteen or fourteen, you're going, "What the fuck?" I think I was twelve. Mm. We were. Well, do you want to play the song? <laughs> Could you narrate the story over the I'll song? I'll narrate what happened. <laughs> so myself and my brother, <laughs> we were we were at a home in Castlefield. It was like 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning, and this was in the video player. <laughs> we started watching her. Oh, jeez. Not really paying attention. Chatting, jammies, eating cereal. And then I got to this bit. 
And I kept going to my ma. What's it saying? <laughs> What's it saying? And she was like, Ronald, no, shut up. Your brother's in the room. And I was going, What's it saying? <laughs> and so, all he's saying is, I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me hard. <laughs> and I can hear him. And then, he backs up. Oh. There he is. Fucking made himself. <laughs> I'm going to be ma in the middle of fucking Cassidy Park. People run about rosary beads, and I'm going, "What's he saying, ma?" <laughs> Trying to think that my ma's going to go. He's saying, "Wouldn't you fuck me? Wouldn't you fuck me? I'd Wouldn't fuck you me? fuck me hard? I'd fuck me hard?" <laughs> and then he fucking steps back with his wee fucking tattoos oh. and his nipple piercings, and he reveals. He's tucked his wanger in between his legs, he's done and that old, blew my fucking mind. Blew my mind too. They'll tuck a roo, hey. I remember Nan when I was younger. From that point on, because I was going, does he does he cut his wally off? I think it took me about four years to come out of the sort of shock. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it was. <laughs> and again, that's that's a power of fucking Ted Levine, man, because he did that. Yeah. That wasn't in the script. That wasn't told to him to do. He stood back and talked her, <laughs> and then revealed that he what, what that was done. Like no. Addressing the whole uh, transgender uh, criticism of the film, which was major, they they boycotted the Oscars and the whole lot. Yeah, Jonathan Demme himself said, "This wasn't a person who thought he was a, a female. This no. was a demented mind. Yeah. He wasn't even gay. He, oh, yeah. he just thought he was a woman, this but he thing. wasn't transgender. He was trying to make himself into a female physically by cutting up other females. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's why I was sort of hesitant about transgender type thing because it's not. He's not." He's not being transgender. No, in that sense, he's not. He's not involved in the process. Um, it's you probably could. I don't know if the book went any into any detail on him, but I'm sure there's probably some that mummy issues somewhere along the line or something. Of course, you know. he, the, the reason that he was tied. Remember, I was saying to you before there was other serial killers he was tied to. One of them was Edmund Kemper. Ed yeah. Kemper's and portrayed in Mindhunter. Uh-huh. Notoriously, when he was 14, Ed Kemper fucking killed his grandparents. Right, yeah. Buffalo Bill is written in the book as having killed his grandparents when right, he was okay. younger. Yeah, so it's a fucking, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So uh, It's all there. Like. It's there, and, and I think transgender just happened to maybe try to shoehorn themselves in to something that wasn't there. I know, but it was sort of silly, but, you know, Edmund Kemper. If you think of the, of the timing of it, um, Ireland wasn't going through that, them discussions, but America was. America were going through, if you think mm. of the late 80s and 90s, a lot of gay rights yeah, and sort of stuff. Um, you know, so it's, it's uh, you know, you could you could maybe see bits of it, but ultimately, you know, he was an evil bastard. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing came through, you know. It didn't, I, I don't even think sexual orientation came into it. Or, or, no, or, I never, it, you know, never, it, it never crossed my mind. It never felt mind. that way, and it never felt, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but I mean, it never felt that he was actually going to do anything sexual to the people he had kidnapped even mm. though he he did and, and they would said that they, they had it always just felt because of the storyline it just felt that he was asking them for their skin mm. the way he would yeah he was literally measuring them you to know looking, like i said yeah, in the film yeah. he wanted to cover so what he knew. i never you, you never got that vibe you know yeah uh, of there's a sexual like a rape thing going on here it didn't have that thing it was more just about so sinister yeah, just and fucking carving skin, which yeah. is you know when you think of that. And, which and the thing that really got me was my granny was a, 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 a dressmaker, a seamstress, a seamstress. So whenever the scene when she opens up the wardrobe, that's what I was going to say to you, man. And it shows the patterns, and, and she like, starts to figure out. I was like, that's fucking. Man. That's the patterns that's in the, the back patterns of the jacket. We've seen them all the time. Yeah, granny's using the patterns. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh fuck. No, you uh, can't help but see a big fat girl cut up yeah. on a fucking slab. Or not, well, now, now I know how to cut them up. Um, or sew them back together, she'd say. Sew them back together? Remember? Oh. It shows us, like, when Clarice opens the door at the end, it shows the suit he'd been creating. Ah, yeah. And it's got and the big like, flabby ditties and all the madness, and you're going, oh, like, Buffalo. And you know what I never fucking picked up on when I was younger, and only recently in the last few years, when he's doing his wee dancing to Goodbye Horses, mm-hmm. He has a fake scalp on, do I? Oh, I, oh, I never yeah. even oh, picked oh, up I, on it. And I was going, diff- that's, another, that's, that's creepy as fuck. That's another person's scalp eye. Because you see the line. I remember seeing yeah. that. Again, I don't think I did see it like yourself. I don't see it the first time around. But uh, in recent rewatches, I was like, oh, holy fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, 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 the sort of level of madness, it, it has been seen. It has been seen like in loads of films since. Yeah. Um, as I say, we've mentioned The Saw, but you've seen loads of other serial killer stuff. Yeah, There's yeah. Been, but I don't think anything really hit home 
in all the boxes, as in you know the cannibalism, and uh, but also the psychology, the fucking mm-hmm. action, the, as I say, the transformation, and all that sort of stuff. It had so many themes. Uh, and that had to be done, and then obviously to the skill of the the author writing the book. Well, Se- but Demi had a job to do to get that he across. Did, he did, and good job you brought up the author there. I, I will say though, Seven is a brilliant film, but it doesn't have the basis in reality. Yeah, sen- you, like you, you feel that every character in Silence of the Lambs could walk around the corner at any minute. Mm-hmm. John Absolutely. Doe wouldn't walk around the corner any minute. No, no, with all those methodical killings yeah. and all. Oh those. yeah, yeah. But with reference to Thomas Harris again, he never saw the film. Right. He he never saw the films. Okay. He said that uh, when John Le Carre saw an episode of the BBC adaptation of his book with Alec Guinness in the uh-huh. lead role, Le Carre said he'd never write the character again because now all he sees is Alec Guinness. Right. Okay. So Tom Harris was afraid uh, that the performance would be so good of Anthony Hopkins, which uh-huh. it was, it was. Uh, that it would take the character from his imagination. So Jonathan Demme says he wished us luck, but he was not going to see the film. But they stayed very, very faithful. So he was in Miami with Tom Harris. And they sit down, they have a nice tea, and he tells them they're going to change the ending. Now, I'll tell you what the original ending was going to be. Right, okay. Um, they were going to change the ending, and he, he wanted to see Lecter out in the world. So the, the change was going to be to the one we know. Mm-hmm. And how would he feel about that? So Tom Harris says, such a lovely guy, he goes, Jonathan, let's go out in the garden and talk about this. So he told them in greater detail what then was going to be, then we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave his blessing, and he says, uh, I'll tell you, like I said to you, I'll tell you, I would picture Dr. Lecter more quickly strolling on a fashionable back street in Zurich, looking at watches and jewelers' windows. But if you take Dr. Lecter to the tropics, now this is just him talking off the top of his head. If you take Dr. Lecter to the tropics, the one thing I'm sure he of is he would never sweat. <laughs> so he puts it in their head. <laughs> right. Like that isn't in the script. He just goes, there's the That's Wherever it. you have him, if you've got him shot up close, uh-huh. make sure you see everybody else. Drinking it, uh-huh, and he's, he's just not. cool as a cucumber. <laughs> what was the line? I'm having a friend for dinner. I'm having a friend over for oh, dinner. Oh, what a line! What a finishing! Like it's and just it's, fucking brilliant. It's when he sees the 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 great uh, <laughs> Frederick Chilton. Oh yes, he's the biggest arsehole in the whole film. But the original ending, right, was um, Lecter from a payphone in the tropics uh-huh. congratulates Clarice. Uh-huh. And gently warns her not to hunt him. And the call by saying he had to go because he's having a friend over for dinner. And it's blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Right? So that gives us to summon the courage to fucking run to the end and all this crack. But when the original ending, when he talks to her, he tells her he compliments her outfit. Meaning he's, seen, he, oh, he's, he's looking at her. Look at her. Oh, fuck. Right? Which we then realize he had watched from a distance. So in the original mm-hmm. ending, Lecter's cutting orange segments with a small knife while he speaks to Clarice. He hangs up the phone. The camera shot widens out for the first time in the film. Mm-hmm. And we discover that he's at a desk in a book-lined office. There's the body of a bodyguard on the floor. And when we see Lecter, he is not alone. Chilton <laughs> is trussed up in a chair across from him. Just like the same way that uh, Lecter would have been restrained by mm-hmm. the doctor. Mm-hmm. Lecter rises slowly with a dreamy gleam in his eye as he approaches... Chilton and goes, shall we begin? <laughs> that was the end. That was the original end. Oh. But they felt like it It didn't mean you seen him out in the world. He was still in the city that he was in. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the end we the have end now, now. Yeah, in the tropics. and He's everywhere. But he also, I thought it was very key, because we watched it the other night, it was very key for the audience to hear him say, I'm not coming after you, Clarice. Yes. He has too you much know, respect for Too much it. respect for it, you know. And then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, he got yeah, it. You're a cool cannibal. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> you're rooting for him yeah, no, the whole so time fucking weird. even when he's beating the shit out yeah. of that fucking guard and ripping his face off you're going it's, 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 the epi- <laughs> it's the epitome of uh, of an anti-hero mm. you shouldn't be backing him you yeah. shouldn't be liking him but you fucking do <laughs> you do <laughs> and again really, that's really down do. to uh, the joy of watching Anthony Hopkins or Sir Anthony Hopkins as he Sir. ended up becoming um, so yeah if you get a chance go and, and take a look it's on uh, it's on Netflix um, it's quite a few services yeah. I think it's in Sky as well at the minute. but I mean um, you gotta remember before we end this you gotta remember there's only three films in history like we said that have won the big five Oscars mm-hmm. and this deserved every single one yeah absolutely it earned a fortune and it made a lot of people rich it was something like Try to avoid watching the other films. Yeah. Red Dragon and Manhunter are good. Manhunter is amazing. Red Dragon is good. The rest... Oh, my God. Painful. That Hannibal film... Oh, my God. ...is this. 10 years before. Mm-hmm. But Anthony Hopkins looks older. Mm-hmm. And then, really, out his brain is out in it. Oh, uh, no. And Gary Oldman's got a weird face. <laughs> and he was at the pigs. <laughs> 
I don't know what no. the fuck's going on. And even even fucking Jodie Foster, who at the time her star was quite falling at the time this film, even she went, nah, I'm nah, not gonna bother. I know. She, when she stepped out, that was the fucking thing. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it made something two hundred and seventy million from like a, f- a budget of. 19? 19 million or something really small. It was like, holy fuck. Um, so yeah, well well worthy of uh, of all the, the laudits. Laudits. Plaudits. Um. Accolades. <laughs> laudits. <laughs> people, uh, p- there was somebody actually was in the podcast the other day and somebody was criticizing Jodie Foster's accent in the film. A, a couple of people I know do not like her accent. Her and Holly Hunter. I don't understand that. That's something to do with a southern sort of nasally sound of them. I don't know, but I, I it doesn't bother me at all. Doctor Lecter. <laughs> That's all I hear. Every time I think about it, she's going, Doctor Lecter on the phone. Doctor Lecter. Uh, so yes, go go and take a look. And um, obviously now, um, Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster will be um, delighted to know that they're now on the best of the best podcast because that's probably what they've been waiting for. Um, <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> <laughs> but yes go and take a look and uh, uh, spread the word as always <clears throat> if you could send us a wee uh, comment on uh, on the yeah there's been a lot of a lot of a lot of weird comments a lot of requests coming through from people okay yeah get us get really, us through so go really to the nice Apple podcast if you can because this seems to be the one that you can leave reviews on so Aye, give us a, give us a rating because sure. you have to Aye. play the game I don't yourself. fucking care <laughs> I don't fucking care anymore. Um, so I just like you, Connor. On, on I that, just like you. On that note, <laughs> we're running doesn't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> we, uh, we, we we might be back next week. We might not. We fuck it. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening as always. Um, and stay safe and stay out of the 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 way of Hannibal Lecter if you, if you find him. Goodbye, horses. <laughs>